0: Welcome to this week's podcast at Bergen Park Church from Evergreen, Colorado. We hope you enjoy this message, and if you'd like to hear any more or learn more about the church, please visit bergenparkchurch.org. Hey, what, what do you desire? You know, this week, it's interesting. I thought, actually, the last two weeks, it was funny. Um, you ever had that kind of deja vu, deja vu? That's not deja vu. It's de- yeah, It's kind it's kind of like that deja vu where where you've experienced somebody asked me this question, Jason um, if God was standing before you or if Jesus was standing before you and he said hey what do you really want what would you say? And at first I thought that was kind of an easy question. I, I mean I can hit that one out of the park I know what I want. And then I started thinking do I know what I want? What do I want? There's actually this story in the gospels where Jesus comes to a man who had been blind from birth. His name was Bartimaeus. You see it in Mark chapter 10, and he comes to him and he says, Bartimaeus, you know, what do you want? And you think it would be obvious, right? I mean, the guy's blind. I want to I see. But see, in asking Bartimaeus what he wants, he wants to hear Bartimaeus recognize what his need is. This is what I need. And if Jesus likewise came to you and said, you know, what do you want? What's beneath the surface? Not just, just those surface desires that seem so strong from day to day, but what deep down do you really, really want? Today we're concluding this series, Honest to God, and we've been looking at what does it mean to really open our heart in God's presence to allow our emotions, our thoughts to be directed towards him. We're going to go back into the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. So if you have a Bible, grab that Bible. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, and this is where we launched off. We started by looking at the, the, um, the Lord's Prayer, And we talked about how the Lord's Prayer really is a guide, really in some ways to connect us to our deepest need. Our deepest need is to know God as Father. I mean, that's what Jesus uniquely revealed, that God is our Father. And the Father wants to know you as a child. And so we have to approach the Father each day. We pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May your name be honored. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, not my will, but instead your will. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. Father, everything is a gift from you. I recognize my dependency on you. Help me to go out into the world as you have forgiven my debts through your generosity and grace. Help me to forgive the debts of others. And I can't do this on my own, but I need your power and strength in my life. As we get into back into Matthew chapter 6, what Jesus begins to address underneath the spiritual disciplines, he's really addressing and helping us tap into our deepest desires that often we don't know what we need. Because see, the world says we need certain things, and those desires kind of come up in us, don't they? Our world's effective at creating desires and needs in us. But the spiritual disciplines of giving, of fasting, of prayer, they tap into those deeper needs that connect us to the heart of God so that we can answer that question when Jesus asks, what do you need? God, what I need is. So let's jump into Matthew chapter 6. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. And actually, as we read through this, what we're going to do is we're going to skip the Lord's Prayer, and then we're going to say it together in unison. Uh, The 8 o'clock had a little struggle with this, so hopefully, you guys, you're awake. The 8 o'clock was kind of sleepy, and so we're getting there. We have the energy, so we're going to read the Lord's Prayer together, actually pray it together. So let's jump in, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need. Before you ask. And then jump down in verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so when you fast, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I see to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast... Anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who sees in secret, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 9. Pray then like this. You ready? Our Father in how I'm not ready. <laughs> your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. So what is your deepest need? And how might the spiritual disciplines actually help us tap into what we most want? Now, as I said before, you know, the desires of the world, are constantly flooding our senses. From advertisers to just living in life, your flesh speaks out, your, the lust of your eyes, the lust of life, the lust of pride, all of it speaks out, and it generates strong desires in us. But what do we truly want from God? The spiritual disciplines, in many ways, help us to sort through our desires, Because we all have needs, needs that are immediate, needs that feel like they have to be met. But see, underneath those needs are deeper needs, deeper realities that God's created us with. And in a sense, God can only satisfy. And the spiritual disciplines are intended to take us to a place in which we tap into our deepest need. And in some ways, we're able to sort through the desires that we have. Because I don't know if you noticed this as we read this passage. Jesus assumes we're going to do three things. He assumes we're going to give, but did you notice who we're supposed to give to? Supposed to give to the needy. Often we think of giving to the church, which is a good practice, and yet Dale at Echo. We're supposed to give to the needy. We're supposed to give to the community. We're supposed to give back. Jesus expects us to give. Jesus says, when you pray. Not if you pray or sometimes when you pray, but when you pray. And then finally, the one we're going to focus on today is In verses 16 through 18, do you notice the phrase, when you fast? When is the last time you fasted? Now, we probably know when we pray, and we probably know when we've given, but in the Western church, we are not very good at fasting. Now, there's many traditions in the Western church. Some are very good at fasting, but the Western evangelical church often is not very good when it comes to fasting. And I think we could spend a lot of time thinking about why. But Jesus assumes that fasting should be a part of our regular discipline before God. And in part, what you see in this text is Jesus is tapping into a number of needs. He describes in some ways two types of people. Now, what's interesting about these two types of people is they both want the same thing. What do they want? They want to be seen. Did you notice that? Now, some people wanted to be seen by God. But a lot of them wanted to be seen by others. Some wanted to be rewarded. They wanted to be rewarded by God or they wanted to be rewarded by others. Others wanted security. They wanted security from others or they wanted security from God. That Jesus taps into these three needs. We want to be seen. We want to be significant. We want to be secure. I mean, is there anybody here who doesn't want to be seen, known? Anyone that doesn't want to be significant? doesn't want to be secure. The challenge is, the world tells us there are ways to get those needs met. The spiritual disciplines tap us into a deeper reality, a deeper need of how we are seen by the Father, we are significant from the Father, and we are secure in the Father. So that's what he's describing. So if you jump back in, in verse 1, he says, first of all, we want to be seen. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others, and notice, in order to be seen by them. And then he goes and gives three examples the people who are trying to be seen as they give, people trying to be seen as they pray, those who are trying to be seen as they fast, the question is, we all want to be seen and known, but is our desire to be seen by others greater than our desire to be seen by God? Because see, those lead to two very different life. And sometimes we can pursue God, really not to pursue God, but just to be seen by others because it says Three times, your Father who sees, your Father who sees, your Father who sees, He will reward you. Our Father sees us and He knows us. And our deepest need is to be seen and known by God. The spiritual disciplines of prayer, of giving and fasting, they help us to be seen, to be known. And then, and then second, it also brings in this idea of significance. Because notice, it's not just to be seen. It's, it's to be seen, but to be seen as a certain kind of person. If you look in verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Because see, they love to stand. They love to pray in the synagogues, the street corners, to be seen by others. And truly, he says, they've received their reward. Their reward is to be significant in the eyes of others. So the question is, all of us want to feel significant. Do we want to feel significant in the eyes of others, or do we want to feel significant in the eyes of our Father? And see, those two desires, they lead us in very different directions. And some of us may not even realize that's something that God offers us. He wants to see us. He wants us to feel significant, to be loved, to be cherished, to know that His Spirit dwells in us, that we are a chosen and treasured possession. Jesus is saying, all of us want to be seen. We want to be significant. And finally, we want to be secure And the question is, how are we going to pursue that security? He says in verse 7, and when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do. They think they're going to be heard. See, they think they're going to get what they want through many words, which means they have the secret phrase. They've got the passwords. They've got the techniques. Our culture loves to give us six ways to be successful, four ways to improve your marriage. We love techniques. We love guidelines. These are ways that we try to, to communicate to the world that we're significant. But notice in verse 8, he says, your father, don't be like them. Why? Because your father already knows what you need, which means he wants to meet that need. The question is, are we willing to open ourselves up to the father to be seen, to know that our significance comes from him, and to know that our security is in him? The spiritual disciplines, they tap us into our deepest desires. As we go through life, there's so many desires that are strong. And I think that's the challenge, that often our deepest desires are not necessarily our strongest desires. If you notice that? Did you wake up this morning wanting to be seen by the Father to be significant? for the, No, probably not. You woke up wanting coffee. <laughs> Caffeine is a powerful desire. And see, God has created us with good needs. He's, desired, he's created us for relationships. He's created us for passion, for significance, all of these good things. God's given us all good needs. But see, what happens is we try to fulfill those needs in ways that God has not designed them for. We try to use the things that God's given us to gain significance, to be seen, to be known, to be secure. Instead of seeking him and knowing him and allowing him to know our heart, instead we just kind of go out in the world and our strong desires take over, strong desires like lust. Lust is strong. And yet the reality for sexual pleasure is good. But when we express it in a way that's out of line with how God has designed us, it becomes distorted. And we get seen and we feel significant and we may feel secure, but it's a false security. We desire to be secure and so maybe greed drives us. And we want to accumulate and be successful, but when we do it in a way that doesn't match up with God's purposes in the world, then we're seen and significant, but in a way that actually makes us less secure. And so the spiritual disciplines, and especially the discipline of fasting, is to open up to our deepest need and allow God to come in and meet that need. So I want to spend a little bit of time looking at this last discipline of fasting and how fasting relates to prayer and to our needs. Now, what is fasting? He talks about it, remember, in verse 16, when you fast. And so I came across this definition, and honestly, I cannot find who said it first. It's quoted in uh, many books and and online, but I couldn't find. So, anyways, if you said it first, I'm sorry. Here it is. Here's your quote. What is fasting? Fasting is voluntarily. It's voluntarily abstaining from food, for spiritual purposes. Now, it's important. It's voluntarily. So, if you happen to miss a meal yesterday, you didn't fast. All right. So, don't go fasted. And if you missed a meal because you're trying to lose weight, you didn't fast. Fasting is fasting from food. It's intentional for spiritual purposes. So it's making a plan. Okay, I'm going to miss a meal on Sunday afternoon, and during the time I normally eat, I'm going to focus my intention on the Lord. I'm going to focus my, my mind, my thoughts, my emotions on the Lord. It's intentional. It's not accidental. And it's skipping food. Do you notice the role that food plays in the Bible? Do you remember how sin came into the world? What was the first temptation? Had something to do with physical desire, physical, it it was food. When Jesus was tempted, 40 days, remember? What was the first temptation? I'm sure you guys all know the first. You've got them ranked in your mind, right? And you're like, yeah, it's, it's turned, well, it's the only one about food, right? Turn these stones into bread. See, food taps us into the reality that we are creaturely and we're dependent And see, fasting, when you take away the normal desire for food and you put your body in a place of dependency, it's uncomfortable, it's painful, and it reminds you of your own weakness. And so the purpose of fasting is take us to a place of humility before God, intentional humility, so that we can uh, focus not on our physical needs but on our spiritual needs. And Jesus assumes, here's the first point, that we will fast. And so let me ask, When do you fast? Now, traditionally for me, fasting has been around certain celebrations, and that's actually true in the Old Testament. Believers would fast around certain celebrations. One of the best times if you want to take up fasting is between Good Friday and Easter. That after you come, you're going to be here Friday night. I know you guys all know about the Good Friday service, so we're going to celebrate there, and you're going to go home, you're going to eat something, it's okay. And then after that meal, you say, okay, Lord, for the next really what is that, 24, 36 hours from Friday night until the sun comes up, okay? Lord, I'm just going to awaken my heart, my emotions, my senses to you. And here's what you're gonna discover, it's gonna be hard. And at the end of it, you may say, why did I do that? Because fasting doesn't necessarily have this immediate result in your life. Sometimes it's really frustrating, it's really hard. But as that practice gets built up in your life, your dependency upon God begins to increase. And so fasting is something we should do. It's something that Jesus wants us to do. And then second, fasting, it humbles us. The purpose of fasting really is to get us in this state where we recognize our dependency and our need on God. So Psalm 35 verse 13 says this. It says, but when, I, when they, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth and I afflicted, meaning I brought fasting on myself and I prayed with bowed head on my chest. That here's somebody, the psalmist is praying for those who are sick and to remind himself to pray for them, he fasted so that when he experienced those pains, it reminded him to intercede for others. Sometimes we fast to intercede for others. If we know of a marriage that's going through difficulties, it's a great time to fast. So that when those pains come, we remember to lift that person up. Or as we pray for Easter, as there are those that have not heard the gospel message or not responded to it, we can fast, remind ourselves. It humbles us. Because it reminds us that we are creaturely, we are dependent, we are created, and we are just but dust. And as the mist and the dust appears for a little while, it's going to vanish and we are dependent upon God. So it humbles us, it reminds us that we are, we are just dust, and we are dependent upon the Father. And see, that opens us to the reality that, God, as I need food, I need you. And the challenge is we have so much pride that we don't think we need him. Why? Because our strong desires are satisfying us. And we suppress our deeper desires. Those stronger desires, we have success, we have money, we have significance in the world, we have enough that we can in some ways medicate our deeper desires. And when we fast, what it's doing is it's taking to this place of weakness and humility, and it's painful. And here's what you'll find when you fast, the weirdest desires will start coming to your mind. Have you ever, I mean, if you fast, it is so strange. It's like I orange soda. I want orange soda. I have not... Had orange soda in years, and whatever reason I'm fasting, and that's what I want. That's all I can think about. And you know what? Sometimes starts to happen. Frustrations start to come up. Things you haven't thought of, people you haven't thought about, and what that is, is it's all the junk. You know, all the stuff in your life that's starting to surface because as your weakness becomes apparent to you, you start you start to find that you know you're unstable. There's brokenness. There's sadness. There's sin. There's anger. There's bitterness. And one of the important things, and this is important when you're fasting, is you should have something to write in. I'm not a huge journaler, but I like to write one sentence. That's about as far as I get. Because, see, what happens is as you fast, God's starting to show you stuff about where you are and who you are, and he's revealing things, and it humbles us. And it really humbles us of our pride, that we don't think we need him. And that's what life does, the brokenness of life, the suffering of life, it reminds us of the depths of our need for God. And so... James said it this way. In James chapter 4, he said, But God gives us more grace. Now, who does God give grace to? And he quotes from the psalm, and he says, Therefore, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God's heart is near to the humble, and he loves to pour out his lavish grace on those who recognize that they need him. And so he says in verse 10, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Who does God see? Remember that? When you pray, don't do it to be seen. Don't fast to be seen. But see, God sees the humble. He knows the humble, and he is quick to draw near. That's why at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, as we started in this series, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why are the poor in spirit blessed? Because they know their need for God, and they have God. And then it says, blessed are those who mourn. That doesn't seem right. When you're mourning, you're grieving something that's good that's gone. Blessed are those who are meek. I mean, do we value the meek today? The meek are going to inherit the earth? No, the powerful, buddy. Those that that gain an army, a following, that's who's going to inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Blessed are the peacemaker. Blessed are those that look out at our community and say, why can't we just get along? Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who have a pure desire to see things made right. See, you know what all those things have in common? Something's missing. Do you notice that? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the the peacemaker. They want to see peace. Blessed are the pure in heart. Something's missing. And, And what makes them humble is they recognize that they have a need. And they recognize that God can meet that need. When we fast, we humble ourselves before God, and what that does is it starts to break down our pride, and it opens us up to recognize the depths of the Father's love, his presence, and our desire for him. Fasting is something we should do, but it's something that humbles us. And then secondly, it's something that we're supposed to use to focus our attention on the Lord. Remember that definition. It's intentional for spiritual purposes. So when we fast, the goal is we've got to get into his word, and focus our attention on the Father so that when the pains of your body show up, what are you supposed to do? It's a reminder, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. As I feel my body breaking down, as I feel the frustration, the desire, as I want coffee, as I want food, as I want a cheeseburger, as I want whatever, Lord, I want you more. My body, it thirsts for you. My body longs for you. Father, I'm in a dry and weary land, and that physical feeling is supposed to be translated into a spiritual reality that as my body is yearning, God, my spirit so much more hungers and desires you, and that's the language of the Psalms. Throughout the Psalms, the psalmist really has this almost sexual language of desire and passion and commitment to God, and it comes out of this deep longing, just like we long for food. I mean, don't we talk about food that way? It's like it's just food, buddy. It's But we have this passion, this commitment, this hunger, and when we fast, it's to remind us that that same passion is supposed to be directed towards the Father. And so he says in verse 16, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces. They want the attention of others. But truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And then in verse 17, but when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may be not seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who is in secret, he will reward you. And what's the reward? The reward is what you seek. It's him. It's his presence. It's his power. So let me ask, are you in a place in your walk with God in which you feel stuck? It's stale. Prayer, somebody's crying. I can hear that. You guys hear that? Anyways. Anyways. Add. It's stale. You're not moving forward. You're not moving back. You don't hear his presence. You hear other people talk about God's love and God's nearness. You're like, ah, oh, well, I don't know what that is. Are you in a place where you feel stuck? Fasting opens us up to focus on the Lord and recognize the depths of our need for Him. It's interesting, actually, in Luke chapter two, there's a woman named Anna. Anna was a prophetess, meaning she got revelation from God in terms of who God is and what God was going to do. And it says, and it's an, go back and read this in Luke chapter 2, it's an interesting, what Luke tells us about Anna is that she was older, she was a virgin until she got married, she got married very late in life, and only seven years of marriage and her husband died. And so in terms of the world, she's not very significant, right? She's not seen, she's not secure, she doesn't have a husband, and in first century culture that was kind of your bread. That's how you lived. And so she's not significant. She's not seen. She's not secure. But it says that every day she was at the temple praying and fasting. So you could imagine this older woman. She's probably that person you've seen from time to time, always blessing people, praying for people. And you're like, she's crazy. And she's at the temple, and she's seeking the Lord. And what happens is because she's fasting, she's more in tune to what God's doing in the world. So here comes this young couple, Mary, Joseph. Now, they're just Mary and Joseph back then. We know them as Mary and Joseph, but Mary and Joseph, these are very common names. And they show up at the temple. They've got this infant. And she recognized this is the Messiah. This is the one that's going to redeem. How did she know that? How is it that sometimes there's people around us spiritually that just kind of know what God, that something's going on in your life and they start praying for you? It could be because they're in tune and they're focused on God. Fasting takes us to a place where we are focused on the Father and we begin to realize God's at work around us. Because, see, fasting is something we should do. It humbles us. It focuses on the Father. But here's the last idea. The purpose of fact, fasting is to cause us to be connected to God's presence and power in our lives. Through the power of the Spirit, fasting allows us to be connected to God's presence and power in our lives. So I've asked the question, are you stale in your walk with God? Are there are things that are holding you up. Often, if you're stale, it means because there's some sin. It could be an addiction. It could be a frustration, a desire, a want. There's something in your life that, in a way, is keeping you. You're walking by, as scripture would say, the flesh. And the flesh is those inordinate desires. They're desires that are out of place. That so we have a desire for food, but we shouldn't go to gluttony. We have a desire for companionship, but but we shouldn't share that companionship around. We have these good desires, and what the flesh does is it uses it, uh, those desires in ways that God did not intend. And so Paul says, Let us, if we want to stop gratifying the desires of the sinful nature, we've got to walk by the Spirit. And the person that exemplifies what it means to walk by the Spirit is Jesus. Now, the challenge when you bring up an example about Jesus is we all go to the statement, but he's God. I mean, come on now. I mean, he had that to lean on, but what theologians tell us is that Jesus, yes, he was fully God and fully man, but in seeing Jesus live his life, what you discover is that he practiced the spiritual disciplines, actually more so than we do. He fasted. You think, well, if he's God, he doesn't need to fast, right? He doesn't need to be humbled. He doesn't need to tune himself to God. No, he, there were challenges in life. There were decisions. Before he chose his disciples, he prayed, he fasted, he sought the Lord, and one of the moments before his ministry, after he's baptized, and the father says, you're my son, whom I love, with you I'm all pleased, the spirit comes down upon him, and Jesus is about to begin his ministry. And you know how he began that ministry? 40 days of fasting. Now, church, let me remind you, there's only three people in the Bible who fasted for 40 days, so you might not start there. You might not be Jesus. You may need to start with one meal or 12 hours or 24 hours. But Jesus started his ministry by fasting, and he fasted for 40 days. Why? To align himself with the Father and the Father's mission. To remind himself of who he is. You're my son. Remember that when he was baptized? Whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. He's reminding himself who the Father is, who he is, and what he's called him to do. But here's what happened. At the end of that temptation, we're going to jump into this, is the last passage we're looking at in Matthew uh, chapter 4, verse 1. At the end of that, that time of, of fasting, here's what we discover. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, here's the understatement of the world, he is, was hungry. Of course he was. And so what happens? Here's a, a natural need that's, that's present in him, and Satan comes in and he says, yeah, but here, I want you to use this need in a way that God has not designed. He steps it up, verse 3, and the tempter came and said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Take a natural desire and attach it to something God has not purposed that desire for. Fulfill your needs. And Jesus was able to resist. Now, we tend to say, well, he resisted because he's God. You know, he had the God card. He could play that ace and he's out the door. But no, the reality is, Jesus, we forget. Jesus fasted for 40 days. In fasting, he was humbled, he was attuned to the Father. But in being attuned to the Father, he was not walking by the flesh. Jesus didn't walk by the flesh, walking by the Spirit. Why is it there are temptations and desires in our lives? Because we're not attuned to the power of the Spirit. We're just in tune to the power of our desires. And as I said before, your deepest desires, and hear me, they're not often your strongest And we have to cultivate those desires, the spiritual disciplines, and we have to allow those desires to rise up. And one of the things that fasting does is it taps us into God's presence and power, that as we recognize our need for food, we say, Father, I need you in spirit. I need you to work in me, that the strength that I need to overcome my hunger right now is your strength. It's not mine. It's not about just gaining willpower. This is about saying, Father, I desperately need you. And when you do that, when you're poor in spirit, when you mourn, the Father's near. He longs to draw near. Now, if you don't sense his presence right away, it could be because he's trying to address something. It could be there's something in your life and he's saying, listen, Jason, I I want to be near to you, but, but I don't think you're quite humbled yet. You may be humbled physically, but spiritually, mentally, emotionally, there's some stuff I need you to address. And that's where you've got to have that notebook in front of you. Because what, what fasting does, it's something we should do. It humbles us. It directs us to the Father and allows us to tap into God's presence and power. And so let me encourage you to do this. Would you just sometime in the next month set aside some time? Would you just try it? Start with one meal. Be intentional. Set aside that time and then have a plan that instead of eating, what I'm going to do in this time I'm going to go to a psalm. We went into Psalm 139 last week. That's a great place to go. I'm going to have a journal just present, something to write down. And just every time you have a desire to go get coffee, to get whatever you want, just stop. What I need, God, right now is really you. I know I want. My strongest desire is ice cream. My deepest desire is you. Father, my strongest desire is coffee. My deepest desire is you. Give me the strength. Remember, as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, we cannot overcome evil on ourselves. Instead, Father, we deliver us from the evil one. Father, I need you in my life. Fasting is a discipline that opens us up to God's power and presence. Church, that's what we need today. We don't need just great advice and techniques. We don't need more words to say. We need the presence of God. And I think in some ways what the church doesn't recognize it it needs is is God. We think we just need help. No, we need him. And fasting takes us to a place. And so I'd encourage you, you know, I'd encourage you to join us. The last Tuesday of the month, we have a prayer time in this room. And I'm reminded of just how many needs, what coronavirus has taught me is there's a lot of brokenness in this room, even right now. And, And there's a lot of brokenness in me. And if you're going through a challenge, a desire, a, a, a difficulty, be here the last Tuesday of the month. Allow these men and women to pray over you. We, we gather for two hours, and the two hours, they go by like that. I'm telling you, it's gone. Because as soon as we focus on the Lord and begin to pray for each other, you know what that is? It's humbling yourself. It's humbling yourself. It's opening up your need, and God's presence and power comes in. Would you take that step fast? Don't, don't go for 40 days. Do something that works. Have a plan. Set aside the time. Focus on the Lord and allow him to teach you. Let's start bringing this practice that Jesus assumes we're doing back into our spiritual life. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray for those who are are present this morning who are here because they, they want you, they love you, they need you. And yet they feel like they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. They're walking through difficulties and hardships and Lord, in those places of darkness, we often crowd and wonder where you are. That we sense our strongest needs, our longing, our, our, our desires. Because we have been taught by the world to seek these things, to go to social media, to go to streaming movies, to go to food, to go to shopping, to go to whatever it is that, that quenches that desire. And yet underneath all of it is a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, a desire for you. And so Father, I pray for those who are here that are walking through difficulties and hearts. Help us to love them well, to care for them well, to come around them well. Father, lead them to this time of prayer, the last Tuesday of the month. And lead us to, Father, a place of fasting and reflection upon you. And may we do that even with others. If there are those online or in this community right now that need to even bring others around them to support them, to encourage them. Father, guide us so that our deepest desire becomes our truest, which is our desire for you. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name.